You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome to the Testudo Times Weekly Podcast. Matt Levine, Lila Bromberg, and Cody Wilcox with you today. The full crew with you. And we'll be talking about how Maryland men's basketball is no longer undefeated. But first, we're going to talk about their victory against Illinois, which was one of the best games I've ever been at in my life. Um, we'll start there. The heroics of Anthony Cowan just propelled them over to a victory, and I think that was, as I said, one of the best games I ever, I've ever seen. First, I'd say welcome back to Cody. I feel like we haven't all been in our room to do a podcast in a little bit. It's been hectic. I know. It's been, it's been a long time since I've uh, been back, so I appreciate you all. Having me back, first of all, you haven't kicked me out yet. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm I'm happy to be back and talk some Maryland sports with you all. But yeah, that that was crazy. Um, Cody was writing the gamer, and we were like helping him edit it, and it was so loud that he was trying to like we were trying to talk about it, and we just couldn't hear each other. Like it was just so loud in the Xfinity Center. Very stressful game to write, but just really um in- incredible. You know, I mean, obviously first half really bad performance, but it was quite the comeback. I think it was one of the best comebacks under Mark Turgeon. Um, I think that was one of the best games that they could have easily been out of it down 15 in the second half. I don't know the last time a team has come back down that much in the second half. And I went as a fan that, that game. I, I was in the student section. And just the nobody was really giving up. And I think that was kind of different, whereas last year they would go down – even 10, and people would start to say, okay, I'm going to leave. This is over. And it, I think around the, the four-minute mark, they were still down by like eight or seven. Yeah. They, they just didn't give up, and I think that shows so much about this team. And I think Anthony Cowan, you, I, I mean, Jordan and I talked about it a couple weeks ago that he's really looking like one of the best players in the country, and I think he looks like an All-American after that game. Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned the never giving up because as we were writing it, I almost – was refraining from writing a loss because in my mind I I just felt the entire time that they had a possibility of coming back even when they were down by a lot. I think that for me there had been developed to that point a confidence in this team in the games I'd seen, especially with the way they were able to come back um, against Harvard and Temple to Orlando Invitational and just knowing the depth this team has and the people that can step up at any given time. I think in my mind for me (laughs) – I didn't ever really fully submit to the idea that they might lose that game. And I think that says a lot because as someone who's watched my own basketball a lot growing up and um, been around this program for a while, a lot of times in games, you know, I was convinced they were going to lose. But this one, even them being down that much at the half, I didn't really ever think that them losing that game was a possibility until like the final, you know, minute or so. Well, here's the thing. I didn't, I didn't see the shot fully. Like I thought he shot it from the corner. I didn't see that he pulled up from the Gary Williams logo, you know. So, Matt, you said you're in the student section, so you're watching the game. Like, what are you thinking in those last final seconds? Because it was kind of a broken play, and, you know, Ant takes one dribble and just pulls up from the logo. Were you expecting that? Like, what was going through your mind? Well, I actually said to my friends, uh, they were inbounding from the left side. So I thought that Cowan was going to come off a screen and take a left-wing three-pointer like Damian Lillard kind of everybody knows that shot Mm -hmm. I thought it was gonna be something exactly like that it didn't end up like that but somehow he got the ball on the left side and I I knew he was gonna shoot but I didn't think it would be from that deep because there was eight seconds left on the shot clock he could have taken a couple more steps in but 
he had a lot of separation and I think it was number one on Illinois was guarding him and he wasn't really near him until uh, Cowan pulled up to shoot then the hand was in his face but I didn't realize how deep it was either from where I was sitting until I looked back on the screen and I was like uh, my jaw basically dropped that was one of the most heroic shots I've ever seen and the confidence on him to just pull the trigger from that far I think that was one of the best shots maybe maybe even better than Melo Trimble's three-pointer so and and the thing with that too is I think over the past couple of years you've seen a thing where after Melo Trimble left because he was oftentimes that guy to step up and win those games late is I think you saw where a lot of times Maryland would be down and have these inbound plates and really mess them up I, I can think of a lot of games in the past where they'd be down and um, they just be they wouldn't be able to execute in the final you know minute or seconds and so I think that says a lot about this team and obviously we'll get into you know the loss after that but I mean this is an Illinois team that just upset Michigan um, you know a lot of people while they were really excited for this victory were you know really upset that Maryland almost lost to Illinois but I mean the Big Ten is competitive this year this is a team that Maryland lost to last year um, in a really ugly game. Maryland was able to limit the turnovers in this game to 11 turnovers. Um, and I think Anthony Cowan just showed the kind of leader he was, you know, I, and I talked to him during the week. If you look at his stats, he's scoring a lot more in the second half and assisting more in the first half. And he and I were talking about how he kind of just tries to assess the game and see what's going on. And then when he sees those points where he needs to step up, he does that. He leads big scoring runs and, you know, he's that guy for them. Um, you know, he didn't look as good in the next game, which we'll get into, but I I think that for the most part of the season, he's looked really, really good and proven to be a leader that this team needs. And one player who I think goes under the radar that game is Dante Scott. Even though, you know, the stats won't show it, he was the one, I believe it was his game-tying layup in the final uh, minutes or seconds of the game, but he also played some great defense, and as a freshman he said that that was like the first real environment he had played in, and he he seemed really happy with the environment after the game. But I I thought he did really well for his first time being in, you know, such a big game like that. But with this game and with the Penn State game after, I mean, is there a concern about play in the paint? Because I mean, we've said this all season long that Smith has had the quietest double doubles we've ever seen. Um, it. I get that the guy he was one of the guys in the paint was you know 290 pounds and you know however tall he was I think it was seven feet 290 pounds um but he just didn't seem that strong in the paint I mean he had two three pointers in this game which I thought was really good to see from him but it just it doesn't I thought that the weight game would translate to a bit of stronger play in the paint but I'm just not seeing as strong of a performance as I would like there um, and I think that that's something that's going to be really crucial in Big Ten play. And it seemed like um, in that game, he was just getting bullied in the paint a little bit. It happened at Penn State. Um, and so that's going to be interesting to see because I don't think – I think he needs to be that number, you know, one guy. Um, I personally like him more on the wing and stuff. But because, you know, the Mitchell twins need to develop and Troll isn't healthy yet and, you know, likely won't play a ton of minutes, um, I think we need to see a lot more aggression – from uh, sticks in the paint, because right now I just don't think it's at the level that it needs to be. 
No, I agree. And uh, at Penn State, I was sitting next to an NBA scout, and I was just talking. Oh, you, that was an NBA scout? Yeah, I was just talking to him. Oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> and um, he asked me about Jalen Smith, and, you know. Ooh, helping the scouts, Cody. Yeah, what I thought, and I told him, you know, he's been all right this year, but he needs to be more aggressive, and the scout agreed. He told me the same thing, that he's been noticing the same thing. Uh, and obviously, uh, Jalen's not going to be the the big old you know, dominant big man if he goes to the next level, but that's what he's being utilized right now as. And because of that, like you said, like he hasn't been aggressive, and the Mitchell twins still need to develop. They still look very uh, young and raw, and we saw that at Penn State, especially um, mm-hmm. with Makai getting the start and things like that. But uh, I just think Jalen's still trying to find his footing and trying to get to where he's comfortable playing that five position. I also think in this game that I don't like to talk about officiating in any any way, but you have to attest some of Jalen Smith not finishing or not grabbing a rebound. He was getting hacked. Okay, I play, will say. And there were no calls. I will say that Andrew Terrell, who, shout out Andrew Terrell until the bench podcast on our network, who, like, hates Big Ten refs so much, was texting me. I was texting him through the game, and I was saying, so, like, what do you think of the refs? Because I kind of thought they were a little soft and um, that they were being – not great in the paint and he was actually saying to me that he thought like a lot of the calls were clean and that he really didn't like what he was seeing from Maryland in the paint and that said a lot to me the fact that you know he said that so I think he said that that's interesting Jaylen too yeah he's he's been saying for a little bit that like he and he said on his podcast this week um with Kevin Herter they were both talking about how like Jalen has the ability to be a 20 and 10 guy he has the ability to be a dominant, like, every night. Like, he has the ability to be that guy, but that aggression just isn't there right now. And I don't really know what it is, because I think, I think we saw something in preseason, um, in practice and things like that, and earlier on, I don't know if maybe it's now facing bigger guys in the Big Ten. I don't know if it's a mental thing, but um, I think that's something he needs to work on. I think he's been really focused on, like, his three-point shot and trying to impress scouts in that regard, but I think... And he's been working on, you know, his paint play too and obviously getting stronger, but I think maybe he's just not used to having the muscle needs is just needs to be a bit more aggressive. You know, he was used to having Bruno as that guy who was the aggressive guy in the paint. I think that Jalen definitely plays better as a four and that's where he'll be on the next level. But like you said, Cody, for now that's the guy he has to be while other players develop and get healthy. Um, so that's something we're definitely gonna need to see him work on, especially because Maryland is not shooting well from three right now. Um, and so you know, you got to have one of those clicking. You got to have your three point shot or your playing the paint clicking. And, you know, you're not going to do that well if you don't have at least one of those, you know, firing. And one thing I will say is how many double doubles does he have this year, Lila? Is he up to seven? I believe? He's up to, yeah. He, he has been really well. But like I said, it's like they've seen very quiet well, double doubles. I think, I think the reason he's getting so many double doubles, not to take anything away from Jalen, he's been great in that regard, but you don't have Bruno grabbing every rebound now. Like, Jalen is the guy that needs to grab the rebounds now, and he's done that so far. But um, I wanted to go back to what Matt was saying. You were talking about the uh, the officiating, and that was it the Illinois game? So the officiating, back to that game, I don't want to say that they were terrible because I never I, – I don't really like to do that. That's not my thing. And as a player, when I played in high school and stuff, I never made up excuses that I lost because officiating was bad. But there were – in my opinion, there were tons of of different sequences where Jalen Smith was getting bodied 
and it wasn't even by Coburn that much. It was by number 15 as well. I can't pronounce his name on, on Illinois, but both of them were just going at him, going at him. Even when Smith was on the defensive side, 15 was going at him. He was lowering his shoulder in the post. You can't do that. And they just weren't calling anything. And then, but I don't think you're gonna have that call. The thing is, like, it's the Big Ten. Like, they don't call that stuff. So you gotta be more aggressive. Like, I the mean, Big Ten is known for not having those kinds of calls in the paint. Then Jalen Smith should go and put his shoulder down on somebody, and then that, let's see if that gets called. Because based on this game, it seemed like everything was going against Maryland the whole time. And then I think in the first half. I don't know the exact number of how many calls there were, but it seemed like every minute there was at least a call. They did not have one clean rally of basket, basket, back and forth, missed shot, whatever. It was just go down, get a whistle, come back, another whistle. It was like every possession there was a whistle or every minute. And that just that just ruined the flow of the game. And I think that's what had Maryland down by 14. I don't think it was anything else, not the missing shots. It was just... You think it was all... Right. <laughs> I have to disagree with that It was Illinois hitting... Illinois was hitting all their shots, and every time that Maryland got on a little rally, there was a whistle that stopped it. Uh, that was in the first half. Second half... I think a lot of it was Maryland's poor shooting. Poor shooting comes with no no rhythm when the whistle comes every minute. I mean, it, you, at some point... Either, either make every call or make Penn no State. calls. They were they were yeah. just so inconsistent. And at one point, the entire student sec- student section started chanting expletives at the refs. So that happens regardless, though. I I I haven't seen that happen in so long. Really? Yeah. I remember so many games that happened that was shooting not that this happened. year. Last year, but um, I mean, I will say I didn't love the officiating in the Penn State game. I thought. That was a bit questionable, but I didn't have that big of a problem with it against Illinois. That, um, speaking of the Penn State, that one specific play that I think took Maryland out of the game, I thought they were going to win this game. Daryl Morcel didn't even touch. He was going for a steal, I think, on the baseline, and they called him for a foul, and he didn't even touch. I don't even know who it was, but he didn't touch him. And they called a foul, and that put them out of the game, and then Penn State scored, and then that was it. But I, I just think that it needs to get better either consistently bad or consistently good. Just not up and down where... I think you have too high of expectations from Big Ten refs. I mean, Big Ten Big Ten's one of the... Big Ten is... You know, they're known I would for having terrible refs. I would argue that they're the most talented conference in basketball. But they're known basketball. for having bad So then refs. get them good refs. <laughs> like the NBA. Or the NBA don't even call anything, but still. <laughs> so speaking of this Penn State game, I, th- I mean, obviously the huge issue was turnovers in this game. 20 turnovers, most of a season. Um, they actually, I think going to this game, we talked about a concern of them starting slow. And while it wasn't an incredible start, they didn't get down by a lot earlier. It was better compared to the other starts they've had at Penn State. And then they just go on this run where they're just turning the ball over literally every possession. And then Penn State is able to go on like a 9-0 run and really put the game out of reach, you know, in the first half. Um, how and, and Churchin talked about guys just dribbling way too much. How concerned are you guys over those turnovers? And we'll kind of get into how we think people are reacting to this game and whether, like, what this game means. But just in terms of the turnovers, how concerning is that? And is that something you think might continue? Well, something I want to say is, 
I didn't think the team got off to a great start. I Not think, great, but better than they have at Penn State. I guess so. Eric Ayala got off to the great start. That's true. He had, what, like seven points in like four minutes or something finished the half? It was less than that. And like, that he had seven points in a tiny period. Against Illinois, so yeah. Back he, that, that sequence that he had was incredible and I think kept him in the game early. As for, you know, their production and their offense and things of that nature, you know, Turgeon's mentioned after the game it's six games in 13 days, which I understand, and it was a road game, and they might maybe could have been a trap game overlooking Penn State on the Just a little bit of a curse. Maybe. Uh, Yeah, so. Just a little bit of a Bryce Storm curse. And it was also their first uh, true road game. So I personally am not taking much from this. Every team's going to have games like this on the road throughout the season. My concern is they have another chance to go on the road again uh, next week, and that's against the t- number 22-ranked um, Seton Hall. So I want to see how they respond, and I think the game coming up against Seton Hall will tell me a lot more than this past loss against Penn State will. I agree, and I actually I think that having a loss like this is a good thing in a way. While Illinois was like they almost lost, they still were able to win. And so I think having, especially the young guys, able to kind of come back down to earth a little bit is a really good thing. And to really see that, hey, like, keeping up our offense this way is not going to sustain itself. And Turgeon talked about it, too. He said, you know, we've been having issues with our offense all season. Our defense has just been good enough to um, kind of overpower that. But that didn't happen in this game. Um and so I think it's it's a wake-up call in a way with that. So I think if anything, this helps. Um, Matt and I were just talking before we recorded, like, you know, they were going to have a loss at some point. It was either going to be this game or Seton Hall, and, you know, maybe it will still be Seton Hall. We don't know. We'll see that game. I personally think that they'll be able to respond and get a victory. But I think that when a team is going 10-0 and and you're ranked high and especially a young team and everything's going so well, you kind of have to be brought down back to earth a little bit. And I think that this really helped with that. And maybe the 20 turnovers and the fact they lost will make them see they really do need to share the ball. But I think that people are overreacting to this loss a little bit. Like you said, I don't take that much into this. I think that um, we've seen this team have really complete performances. Um, We've seen this, you know, against Marquette. We've seen this team also just have really complete second halves and show the ability to share the ball. We've seen that Turgeon can change up defenses. He didn't do it as much in this game, which I think was an issue, but he's changed up defenses a lot. They've shown they can play at a faster place. They've shown all these aspects that show that this is a different team than we've seen from Maryland in the past. Um, So I think that a lot of this is exhaustion and um, maybe overlooking this game. I'm not really sure, but I don't think that we can buy too much into this loss. What's your take, Matt? Well, they won on the road, and they weren't even favored in this game. So if anyone wants to look at betting and stuff like that, I don't think this is a bad loss at all. If you're not favored, you're going on the road. I don't care what team you are. If nobody like nobody expected them to win this game, I think, I, again, I say that one call put them out of it momentum-wise. But it was the turnovers, though. We saw every game this year they commit turnovers and they still find a way to win. But they haven't, though. I mean, like, not 20, but they've committed 15, 16. That's only... They've actually they committed... committed 19. 19. That, no, that was this game. They've actually had 
only that was this game that it reached 19 and it was a season high at 18 they've had 17 in a game and then the before that it was no they sorry i believe they've had like 14 and 16 against rhode island and and they um, still blew Harvard. the doors off of rhode but island. i'm saying like I don't think it's fair to say they've had turnovers all year because the turnover margin is the best of Trojan's career so far. They're averaging around 11-point-something a game. Um, it was 11.4 going into this game. They're, they've actually decreased turnovers a ton. Well, compared to last year, but still well, there's... compared to every year Trojan has ever coached at Maryland. But this year, I think that they have committed turnovers. But Obviously, I'm saying less not than previous as years, a lot less. Less, but in terms of this year, they still have done it. To but usually it's been in extent. one half. This game we saw it in both halves, which I think is interesting too. That is an interesting factor to put in, but I still think that although Maryland committed 17, you said against Rhode Island, they still beat it was them. 16 or 17. It was they one of still those were two. able to destroy them in the end, and I think that going on the road, nothing was in their favor. And going on the road, I think I have a friend that goes to Penn State. He said that this was the only game that fa- the students are actually going to go to. They don't care about basketball. They love their football. That They'll never make the college football playoff, but they love it. <laughs> and they showed out for this game. And I, th- I thought in the first five minutes, I mean, I was watching it on TV, and it was loud. I don't know how you guys heard it, but it was pretty loud. And I thought that stopped a little bit. But, I mean, towards the end, it was... Every every call that went against Maryland or every turnover that they committed, it was just extremely loud. And Maryland really had, hasn't played in a in a venue like that yet this year. So I think, I mean, they're, Penn State is a very underrated team in my opinion. And I think this shows how strong the Big Ten is. And every home team has won so far in Big Ten Conference games this year. Yeah, let's keep in mind though, the game they lost Ohio State was at Ohio State. Yeah, so I think that this really shows how deep this conference is and nobody really expect I, everyone early on said Michigan State and Maryland i think now it's Michigan State Maryland Ohio State Michigan and you I don't can know even about add, Michigan State i'm kind of i don't know i'm a bit worried about Michigan State i'm not sure what's going on there but i'm sure we'll figure it out they're still they're still they <laughs> yeah. still have the player of the year candidate so um but you can even add Penn State up there i think Illinois gets added up there oh yeah Illinois looks Iowa good. They have an, an All-American right now. I think this this conference is extremely – it's just it's just the best in the country. That I'm going to take a hot take right now. I think it's better than the ACC. They won the Big Ten ACC Challenge. So, I mean, I really don't think that this is a bad loss at all. Obviously, there's certain aspects of the game that need to change, which, well, I think they'll change in practice. And Turgeon said the six games in 13 days, I mean, they really haven't had practice. Days of just practice, practice, practice yeah. in a row. I kind of hate ex- practice, practice, yeah. game, game, game. Like three games in a row in Orlando, they haven't really had anything to work on, and now they have whatever it is over a week until next Thursday. Now it's a week. Yeah, I kind of um, have to say I hate kind of excuses like that, but I don't think it that's is a fair excuse. point. It is, it is a fair point, but it is a lot of games and a lot of days. When, when you hear in professional sports like oh the Super Bowl hangover or the World Series hangover, is that an excuse? I mean, I don't think I don't think like when your season extends over a month into the off season, and then you have a month less a month less than everyone else to regroup and try to rest and work on things, and then you have next year, and then your players are still tired from the previous season. I think that you can be tired, especially as 18, 19, 20 year old kids. 
they're playing six games in 13 days without having a chance to work on really anything over the practices because they've had class. Then they're traveling and they miss a day or whatever it is. But now they have time to come back, take their test for finals, just have a clear mindset on basketball for the next month and a half, two months for winter break. And I think that they'll adjust for Seton Hall and they'll try to limit those turnovers. I think they'll come up with something to to come out with in Seton Hall and not commit 20 turnovers. So a couple things to what you said, Matt. Uh, I was talking to a guy on Penn State's media team, and he was telling me that the crowd was the largest and the loudest that they have seen this year. And it, really and it wasn't felt even that, that big, but it was but just it, loud. It felt like that. It really did, um, especially after a Maryland turnover or a Penn State, you know, dunk something like that. It was loud. I'm not going to lie. Um, as for the turnovers, they were just uncharacteristic turnovers. I mean, one player I want to look at, Daryl Morcel. He's he's their glue guy, their energizer bunny, you know, and he just seemed like he couldn't get a rhythm that night. He, I I remember the one. Turnover, he tried to throw to Jalen. I think it bounced off the rim or the backboard, and Jalen went out of bounds. He struggled. I, They just weren't able to get into a rhythm. And based on the, I, th- I think their crowd did have an effect. And one thing I want to point out is that night, I believe the media uh, guy, the media specialist, had told me that they gave students uh, a marketing incentive, 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 excuse me, no, I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing at what it was. <laughs> it was crab fries, and I believe... Did I tell you paper straws? Paper straws. I think they were making fun of two Maryland things. Yeah, um, but plenty of students showed up, and obviously they got the win, so uh, it was pretty good for them. But Penn State is a... They're a very good team. I think they're a tournament <laughs> team, so we'll, we'll just have to see. Cody wants Maryland to have lion fries, you said. I don't know what that looks like. If it, You meant actual lions? Or... I don't know. I don't know what I meant either. We, we had been in the car for seven hours, and I was a little delusional after that. He's like, you know, Maryland needs to have some lion fries. It's like, okay, Cody. <laughs> but I got to say, it was a great marketing ploy. Think about flat screen TVs. Maryland, step up your... I want some flat screen TV. I mean, I, I would never get it because I'm media, but that'd be nice. I mean, Maryland doesn't need to incentivize their students to true. come to games. It's football games. They need football to give games. A I don't even think people would come still, but... They need to give it out after the third quarter. <laughs> well, no, that's what happened last year is they would have um, the lottery and they would have to call the name for like the 50-50 lottery. They would have to call like 10 different names because everyone would be gone by the time they announced it in like the third quarter. I think they that's had like a list story. of all the people. That's they... another podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, also I think with this game also is like, I don't know if, I feel like we've seen a lot of really great adjustments from Trojan this season, but I feel like we didn't see it in this game as much. Um, Penn State was clearly crowding inside, and Maryland just kept passing inside and and was then trying to work something inside and dribbling instead of passing out and back, which I think has really been successful for them when they can work it in and out. That was a point we talked about versus Marquette, and I think that Marquette game is what gives me hope. That was the most complete Maryland basketball game I've seen in a really, really long time. And I think if they can use this break to get back to playing like that, that they'll be on the right track, and if anything, this loss is going to help them get back to that. One thing I want to look at specifically is Cowan in this game again. He had 16 points, 6 rebounds, and 3 assists. But it wasn't his best game. He had a lot of turnovers. And that's one of his worst games, right? Yeah. (laughs) But he's still, my point is that he's not just scoring this year. And in mm-hmm. years past, he's led in scoring assists and steals. And I think now his rebounding is up. He's passing more, you said, in the first half. 
The Illinois game, he had 20.7 rebounds, 6 assists, and 3 steals, and he played all 40 minutes. I think his game is becoming more complete now, and I think that just will help them so much in Big Ten play further down the road, but just how complete his game has become more than just scoring and shooting. And one thing I'll say to that is, I know the offense got a little stagnant in Penn State, but Cowan was forcing a lot, in my yeah. opinion, a lot more than he has in the mm-hmm. um, you know previous other ten games. And I don't know if that's because they were down or what, but it was just a lot of shots that you just didn't see him take for the, the you know. Other he almost 10 reverted games. a little bit, exactly, yeah. for to to go to what he was doing like last year, and that that was pretty surprising uh, from my perspective at the Bryce Jordan Center. And, I mean, I have to say, how concerned are we about his offensive shooting percentage? Right now, 30.8% behind the arc and 426 uh, on field goals. Like, is it, at first, to start a season, it was like, okay, just, you know, they're getting warmed up, shots aren't falling. But it's now been 11 games, and it seems like this could be a concern. I'm especially concerned with how Eric Ayala and Aaron Wiggins are shooting after, you know, shooting over 40% each <coughs> last year from behind the arc. Um I don't know, maybe it has to do with, like, muscle gain or, or what's going on or if it's pressure, things like that. But, like, how big of a concern is this? Is this something they can turn around or is this just going to be a bad shooting team? I'm actually not concerned at all considering they have ten wins and one loss um, and they just find ways but to this, win. But this game, this Penn State game show that, like, if they're having that poor of a shooting night, their defense can't always get it done. I think you have to shoot better than 30% turn, they, behind the arc. If they didn't turn the ball over and they didn't have calls go against them so much and they were at home and had their fans behind them and they still shot that bad, they would have won the game. But I still think they need to be shooting better. I mean, down the line, you cannot be shooting like that behind the arc, especially as, as I said, if Jalen's having trouble down low. Yeah, they definitely need to shoot better, but I don't think that if they if they continue to or if they have another set specific game where they struggle the way they have and it, it just doesn't pan out that they are shooting well that day, they have so many different assets that they can go to. And I think that's why they're still the number four team. And they're going to drop, obviously, now after the loss to Penn State, but I don't see them dropping really lower than nine. I think that's the lowest they can go. With I think other they'll go around like six losing. or seven. Maybe. Yeah, six or seven after a loss to an unranked team, like... And also, a team have received votes. Yes, but still unranked. Yeah. I mean, the other teams that are lo- the other top five teams that are losing to unranked teams. This is the best loss to an unranked team as a top five team so far this year, in my opinion. Duke lost to uh, whatever Stephen, Stephen F. Austin. Austin. Kentucky lost to Evansville. Um, I mean, there's just so many different. Michigan lost to Illinois. Now, I think this is the best loss that could have happened. But yes, the shooting does need to improve, and if the shooting improves, and they're like you said, they'll play a complete game like they did against Marquette. But I think that their defense is so much is so strong. If they just handle the ball a little bit better and still have a little bit of struggle shooting wise, they're in a much better spot. But I think the shooting still needs to improve slightly. I'm not I'm not scared or nervous yeah. about the shooting at all. I think that comes like I said. Six games in 13 days, that's a lot on your body. And I think you kind of could get worn down from that. And and then you have to put more leg into your shot. So I'm not concerned at all. But one thing I do want to say is Darren Morsell is 6 of 16 
for 37.5% shooting so far this season, which, honestly, I think is... He hasn't attempted that many, but it's been a surprise to me how many that he's knocked down so far this season from beyond the arc. And obviously, Anthony Cowan leads the way with about 38% shooting from And he was above, like, 40 until these last couple games. Yeah, uh, but I, I'm not worried about the shooting. It'll come, and I know this rest and maybe, you know, taking a couple days off or getting some days of practice. Uh, they have plenty of time before Seton Hall, and I think it'll it'll go up after that. And then talking, you know, they'll, they'll face Seton Hall. Um, that'll be a good game, I believe. They just had a key player injured, correct? I believe so. A uh, player broke his wrist. I'm not sure who I can't even pronounce his name either. It's so, something with an M. I know that, but... Not Miles Powell, though. No, not Miles Powell. <laughs> Um, that, that's a play we're gonna have to stop. I think this is their number two guy. Sandro I can't pronounce the last name. We need a pronunciation guide. Yeah, I can't pronounce that. But anyways, um he broke his uh wrist this past um Sunday night against Iowa State. He's a six foot eleven forward who averaged twelve point three points and five point three rebounds a game. So they'll be without him. We'll see how that works out in Maryland's favor, but I think that gives Maryland a large size advantage in this game. Um, Seton pretty fairly small, otherwise I would say, but Seton Hall's a team that beat Maryland last year. Um, they're a very under the radar, in my opinion. Even though they're ranked twenty-two, I still think they're under the radar. Um, they're very quick. They pass well. They just they also are a team that just finds ways to win, and they obviously have Miles Powell, who I think is a top five player in the country. And I think it'll be interesting to see if they if Turgeon puts Cowan guarding him, or if they put Morcel guarding. Him. I I personally would put Daryl Morcel on Miles Powell. I think you have to do what you did against Marcus Howard with the yeah. ball screens. I think that was a really interesting aspect of their defense that I want to see more. I think this is the same exact concept of stopping the score, stopping one of the best players in the country. And they did that against Marquette. They held him to six points. They held Marcus Howard to six points. Come out and do that against Seton Hall. You hold Miles Powell to under 10 points. That's auto- I would say that's automatically a win. doesn't matter what anyone else does. If you hold their best player, who's a potential All-American, potential player of the year, I mean, that just shows that if they're able to stop him, Maryland should really have an automatic win, I think. And, it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I mean, they're playing in an NBA facility, a former NBA facility, <laughs> uh, where, where the New Jersey Nets played. But it, again, I don't think that... I don't know if Seton Hall travels. I, I would consider that traveling well because that's not on their campus. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that till I was looking it up because their campus is... How far away is their campus? Like, it's in campus? South Orange. I don't know how far that is from Newark, but... I think that's a little, I mean, it's just New Jersey, but um, I, I just don't, I don't know. Like if Maryland, let's say Maryland played their home game. I mean, this is obviously different because it would be in D.C., but they played at Capital One Arena. Like that'd be different for students. I mean, students wouldn't be able to get there. It's just, obviously that's a completely different market than the middle of New Jersey. But I think, I think. This game, there will be more Maryland fans there than Seton really? Hall fans. Yes, especially Bold being statement. being winter break. I mean, oh, I'm going Maryland to the does game. have a lot of fans 
a lot of students yeah. from New Jersey. That's a good point. You know, I I'm didn't from think Long of that, Island. Matt. I'm going to the game with my buddies. I'm sure the other people that are from Jersey are going to the game. I did not think of that. I forgot. I, yeah. That didn't even cross my mind, but it was winter break and Maryland had so many students so, from New Jersey. Yeah. So, that's a very I mean, interesting I, point. I, I don't know if they'll outnumber them, but that's, that's a very interesting point. I think it's interesting to have a stadium or an arena that big. I'm, I'm, I obviously don't know. I haven't seen it yet. But how many people actually fill that up for a game like this? I don't think it'll go above like the third deck, the highest it goes. I don't think that'll happen. So I think the acoustics will be weird and off a little bit. Like this is just such a big arena and there's not many people here. It'll kind of look like that. But if it was like in a smaller place, it'd be rocking. It'd be really loud. And Seton so Hall will be on to break too, right? I would assume, I would assume so. so. Yeah. It, it should be a good game. Um, and then we'll, before we wrap up, we'll talk about women's basketball a bit. Um, they also suffered a loss of season it, this week. It was their second loss and second loss to a ranked team losing to NC state in the big 10 ACC challenge. <coughs> Maryland was ranked ninth at the time. NC state was number 13th. Now Maryland has dropped to number 13 in, in the latest poll about a 66, 59, uh, loss. Um, and then they're able to come back and have a dominant win over Loyola, Maryland, 105 to 45. Is it concerning at all uh, how they've performed against ranked teams so far? Because I feel like besides ranked teams, they haven't really played anyone else that's like, you know, great or really like a high level of competition. I think this is the weirdest storyline of a season so far. They're supposed to be. I thought they were going to be like insane. They, they came in as number four. I thought they were going to the national championship based on all the potential. Um, they lost one of their freshmen, their, one of their best players, to an ACL tear. And now they're, they they also lost one of their junior guards. So now they're being led by a freshman guard. Kyla she's Charles. incredible. She is, but she turns the ball over too much. Obviously, that's being young, whatever. But Kyla Charles hasn't been the All-American that mm-hmm. she's supposed to be yet. I think that'll happen eventually. But I think it's just interesting that they win by – they won a game, I think it was 99-26 to 26 or something. And they win this 105 to 45. That's just mean. I said a lot. That's just rude. Like, how do you? I don't know if that's running the score up or if that's just like complete domination. Um, and then you come out and play a ranked team, and they they just completely change the way they play. So I think this is something that will have to change come Big Ten play. I think if they want a good shot at going back up in the top five, they have to run through Big Ten play and just beat everyone. Um, which is kind of what they did last year. Um, they won the regular season Big Ten title, but they have to dominate these Big Ten. They have to dominate conference teams because they're doing that against these unranked non-conference opponents. But then when they see a ranking, they kind of just shy away, and I don't really know what the issue is. But, I mean, obviously NC State's a very hard place to play. I think ESPN showed their home record over the last, like, five seasons. They They've only lost, crowd. like, five or six yeah. games in those se- like at home. So... Um, now being 13, I think that's, I, I, I mean, I think that's pretty low for this team. Um, but obviously two losses, both are ranked. Uh, I, I think this, this changes. I think they, they get back up to being in the top 10. They get back up to close to five maybe, but it's got to happen in big 10 play. Well, and one thing I want to say, uh, what you said, Matt is, you know, Kyla Charles hasn't been, you know, the All-American that, that she was, uh, you know, picked to be at the beginning of the season. And I think a lot of factors play to that. Uh, you know, obviously, Taylor Mike Sale's coming back sophomore year after a great freshman campaign. She's looked really good. Yeah, uh, Blair Watson's playing very well. You have um, the freshman point guard, Ashley Owusu. 
she is she appears to be a score first guard and you know she might have to be a little bit more of a facilitator but either way she's been really good besides uh the turnovers um and then obviously Shakira Austin coming back Stephanie Jones stepping up they just have a lot of options and I think it is possible that you know Charles Kyla she's trying to find her footing with everybody you know in there and contributing so much at the moment but I I do think she'll eventually, you know, turn it around and and start to get it going when the season progresses. I have to say, but this loss I feel like is concerning in terms of looking at. I know it's completely far down the line, but just in terms of seeding for an NCAA tournament, to have lost the two ranked teams because these are probably the two best teams that they'll face all year. I mean, the Big Ten. I think some schools are ranked, but it's not the same level of competition as men's is for the Big Ten, um, and so. These were two teams that, um, if Maryland were to get a win against, that really then helps your tournament resume down the line. And I think that, you know, losing this one game to NC State um, can really kind of hurt that a bit. I mean, you've got Michigan playing well this year, and they're they're currently ranked. Um, and, you know, Indiana is pretty good this year, Michigan State. They're all ranked, but they're kind of like towards the end of the rankings. And these were two games of teams that are top 15 in South Carolina and NC State that would have been uh, huge uh, resume boosters. Yeah, one, I think here, Cody, go ahead. The one thing I'll say is real quick is last year they beat South Carolina at South Carolina 85-61. to 61. And this year they hosted the Gamecocks and they obviously lost. So I think that speaks a lot more than the NC State one because we talked about how right. hard it is to play. That was there. very early in the season though against <coughs> yes. South Carolina, wasn't it? But I'm yes, but I'm just saying if we're looking at ranked right. losses, that South Carolina one at home is a little bit more concerning to me than the NC State one. I think they'll turn it around, and like you said, man, I think they're gonna just run through the Big Ten. I mean, they have to blow out Georgia State the way they've blown out all these other teams. I think they will. And then their first Big Ten test is Michigan, who's ranked. Uh, Northwestern's receiving votes. And then Ohio State. I'm and sure Ohio Iowa. State will be ranked towards the end of the season. Yeah. And Iowa, who lost their best, one of the best players in the country. I think her name was Gustafson mm-hmm. last year. She was on. Unreal. They didn't have they didn't have an answer for her yeah. last year. Maryland could not respond to that, so that's why they went down in the Big Ten tournament championship game. But I think that if they do run through the Big Ten, they dominate. They get another Big Ten regular season title. That's a lot of momentum, um, and I think that could happen. I mean, two early season losses, but those two losses are ranked. They're not losing to team. They're losing to teams that are as good as them or a little bit better. Um, but I don't think that they really can be concerned. I mean, it's concerning that they play kind of differently. And I don't know if that's the opponent's defense going at them or if Maryland kind of shies away. But Maryland can't shy away in those moments. They have to play up. They have to play up to their opponents. And I think that they're not playing down to their opponents when they play these non-unranked, non-conference teams. But I don't really think they're rising up and playing as well as they could against South Carolina and NC State. Um, that I think that changes come Big Ten play. Brenda Freeze is a great coach. She knows how to fix this team and kind of get them to the mindset of that they could really beat anyone. And then I think that this is a completely new season. Yeah, and they also, like the men, have the break to regroup, which will uh, be really good for them. I think for both teams, uh, 
to really just, you know, get back on the same page, um, especially with the men's team, to just find a rhythm a bit more, practice some more plays, and um, just work on sharing the ball a bit more. I think both these teams are kind of were able to get a wake-up call this past week, and I think that'll be uh, really beneficial. So thank you for joining us on this edition of the Testudo Times Weekly Podcast. Catch all of the action with our coverage for men's and women's basketball and other winter sports. Um, Happy holidays, and we thank you for joining us.